0: What are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual, zero, nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Pop Culture Podcast. Welcome back. I hope you're doing very well. One second. I've just about a week ago, I discovered this coconut water, Simple Truth Organic. I accidentally drank all my sister-in-laws and brother-in-laws because it's it's out on the uh, it's out on the little bar fridge. So every time I go outside, I can't help myself. And then two nights ago, they went outside and said, hey, where's the coconut water? And I said, what are you all looking at me for? Take responsibility for what comes into your house. And then I went down and bought three containers, one for myself, two to make up for what I've drank. Uh, so they're only small. They're, they're little bite-sized ones. They're just a little uh, 11 ounce. I'm starting to get a little used to the ounces over here. In Australia, we we don't use ounces at all. We use liters, really, or milliliters. But eight ounces, like my favorite coffee size over here, which is, yeah, it's like a standard latte in Melbourne. It's a standard latte in Melbourne that, that tastes like shit in America, really. The coffee scene here is interesting. I feel like it has picked up a bit from the last couple of years. And the coffee scene, I think coming from Melbourne, I've got full rights to be able to you know critique criticize abuse judge the the coffee standards of the rest of the world because uh, to to be in melbourne and to enjoy coffee you have to be a full-blown wanker and that's a title that i'm i'm proud to say i've already achieved and so with that uh, wanker title i can come to places like medford in oregon and go through their drive-through coffee shops which for whatever reason australians haven't got on board with i just don't understand it they've got an incredible ability to employ good people dutch bros i've been to so many different stands around here i tell you it's they've got to come to australia i'm reaching out to them and saying hey give me a franchise let me take it back to australia because australians need more laziness in their lives we shouldn't be getting out of the cars anymore to get our own coffee just like we shouldn't be getting out of the car to get our own petrol or gas as i now call it having been here for three weeks I think ease is uh, ease is missing from a lot of our lives isn't it we we need more ease we need things just to be a little more relaxed if if we just had things a little more relaxed then surely we would would all be 100% happy right Americans prove that I saw a lady actually I'm I'm taking the piss I saw a lady in the Dutch Bros car park yesterday cracking it because it was simply because the man in front of her was taking too long I timed it he'd been there for no joke a minute just waiting for his coffee she's hanging her head out the window get the hell out of my way asshole it's like, I'm just, I've just i just ordered a latte. I'm waiting for the lady to get it. Because <clears throat> I guess when you when you get ease, then you just want efficiency. So it's not just a matter of making things easy. It's a ma- matter of making things faster. But yeah, I'm not sure where the finish line is. Because even when I get faster, I still feel as though I'm in a rush. Do you ever feel that way? Sometimes I'll, I'll work so quickly and then I'll get everything done. And I'm like, all right, well, what can I fit into all my extra time now? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure what to do with that. Then you have productivity gurus teaching you how to do it more effectively. But I watch Gary Vee and I just get stressed. I like the guy. I used to love his hustle. I used to be like, that's what I want to achieve with my life. I just want my whole life to be a job and nonstop and never get a chance to rest. And then I tried to live like that. And I was like, this is horrific. This is horrible. I remember 20, it would have been like 2017, I was starting, a, I was trying to get into mindset coaching. That was the theme at the time. I thought, well, if you're not 100% sure what you want to do, jump into mindset coaching. That's what you do, isn't it? Like if you're not 100% sure where your talents lie, you just, you go in with strategies for other people who actually have goals to achieve and help them achieve those goals. Is, is that what it is? It's funny as well. You, you feel like such a hypocrite as a mindset coach because there's constantly areas to improve and to get up in front of a room full of people and go, all right, this is what you need to be doing. It's helpful. Like it is helpful, but it's funny because you go away from those experiences and you're like, oh, I probably should apply that. That's what they say though. They say you gotta, you got to practice what you preach and the preacher gets just as much of a result from the message as what the congregation do using some church language. So hey, maybe I'm being a little bit too hard there, but I don't know. Social media stuffs things up as well a little bit because everyone's looking for bite-sized clips and everyone's looking for like a little nugget that's just going to take off and, and bring people giving their money to them. And, uh, and as a result, I think the wanker standard has, has increased significantly in the last 10 years. I can't talk. I've just started posting reels on Instagram. I discovered that last week. How's this? What got me into it? And this is such a vain reason to admit it, but my sister-in-law posted a video of my wife, my little boy, and I surprising surprising Sammy in Medford when we got here. I think it's more than this now. It had 1.5 million views a couple of days ago. I don't know how legitimate that is. Like, Is that just people scrolling through, or is that people... Stopping to actually have a good look at at what's going on there because I think TikTok It gives you a false sense of confidence in what you're doing because I reckon as you flick through That counts as one view even if someone keeps flicking you probably know better than me. I'm not a hundred percent sure But 1.5 million people clicked on that 600 people followed it as a result. What a strange thing to follow someone for I Don't really understand that concept like what's the point of someone's just posted a video of, of someone getting a surprise and you look at that surprise video and go you know what i'd love to follow this person i'd love to see what they're up to in their lives it's it's creepy but that's what social media is but i heard that and i thought all right well <laughs> that's the goal isn't it that's what we're all trying to achieve we're trying to achieve a few more a few more followers is the uh, is the plan but the problem is it doesn't matter how many you get like you always just need a couple more do you get that <laughs> it's always always impressed. We were getting excited when this video got to a hundred thousand. We're like, imagine if it got to two hundred. Now it got to one point five. We're like, can't believe it didn't even hit two. This is bullshit. Reels are so difficult to master. And that's the thing as well. You don't actually know if you're producing good quality or whether you've just hacked the algorithm. Because I see people with a lot of a lot of shit product. There's a lot of shit products out there that I just really. Am not impressed by it. Not that that means anything. Maybe I'm the problem in this scenario. This little equation. I could be the broken one. But you see, a lot of people advertising so hard for some rubbish product, and they don't necessarily have a good product. But they're. I don't know. I think these are the people who are obsessed with algorithms. <laughs> I think the more a person is obsessed with an algorithm, the less they're interested in in the quality of what they're making. Is that is that fair to say? That could just be me justifying the fact I don't really understand what an algorithm is. If you ask me what an algorithm is, I would just tell you it's the video that came up because of the last video that you watched, which maybe is true. But I reckon my I reckon my algorithm's off at the moment because I, I I was a loudmouth during COVID, and I know Instagram was pretty harsh on. They were pretty harsh on people who had an opinion which was contrary to the. Uh, the mainstream narrative, which mine certainly was, and I started putting out ideas, and all of a sudden, not only well, rightly so, I saw a lot of people that just completely disagreed with what I was saying unfollow me, which is, I mean, it's probably a smart choice. They should have done it years ago, to be fair. Like, I don't, I don't really understand. All it is is me trying to post a photo of Jessie when there's a nice little cleavage shot. She gets upset at that because she's a, she's a little bit more humble than me. I go, babe, just, just pick up Charlie's toy from the sand again. While we're at the beach in your little crop top, she goes, babe, this is the eighth time I've done it. I said, but I'm just trying to impress the boys. Just one more. And so she does, and uh, and as a result, these photos which deserves far more attention, they're just not getting as much as they used to. And I think, I reckon, here's my personal solution, either of my personal uh, opinion. I think, I think, well, either people like me a lot less, very possible and very understandable. But I also think the COVID factors removed me from some from some feeds. I follow this chick voice for Victoria. I don't know if you're a if you're interested in Victorian politics which you wouldn't be if you're outside of Victoria and even if you're in Victoria it's very very boring but there's this chick who who has a page called Voice for Victoria and I started following her I think she had 104,000 followers and she was man she posts really good stuff she, she's got a really good down-to-earth take on what's going on around town and uh, I tuned into her stuff fairly early really liked what she was about and was just watching her audience skyrocket and then all of a sudden for about six months it just paused and I looked the other day and she's got 2,000 less followers than, than what she had six months ago. And her material is better than ever. So I'm not 100% sure what's happening there. I think I think people like my wife, they need to be capitalizing more on their, their body. They need to get into vanity and not hold standards so high. Because we all know that in 2022, the uh, the, the God is follows. So if you've got a little pair of boobies and you're confident to put them up, there, do it, chuck them out there. You're going to get yourself a follow. I'm not sure what that converts to. You might be able to open yourself an OnlyFans page, which is every young girl's dream in 2022. And as a result, you can post risque photos and get paid for it. You don't just have to post it on Instagram. Post it on the Patreon of what, uh, you know, I guess OnlyFans is pretty much Instagram's version of Patreon, isn't it? It's like, all right, what I wish this person would post, but they never do. I'm not a member there, but my my uh, my wife's husband, how's this for a story? So my, my, my wife... My wife met a, uh, met a girl in her mother's group back in Australia, and they were going through a little bit of difficulty because at the time, this guy, he had he'd spent $30,000 on OnlyFans, which is which is too much considering there's a lot online for free, isn't there? Now, I'm not, a, I'm not an ambassador for either. I'm not saying you should go and check out either. I mean, that's not, that's not what I'm here trying to tell you, but what I am saying is $30,000 for something you can get for free is, I just don't think that's smart uh, investment I don't think that's the best way to spend your money. Do you know what I mean if someone's giving you yogurt for free you don't go to the store and buy a tub it just it doesn't make so so much sense if you've got a laptop you've got access again not an encouragement and really hope my sister's not listening because I' I'd hate for her in between jobs to be inspired by what I'm saying and think you know what the world deserves to see my boobs that's what they deserve. Gracie, I don't want you to do that. Grace, the name. It doesn't allow for movement like that. It wouldn't Dad would be disappointed, I guess, is is what I'm trying to say. So just keep him uh, keep him in your shirt. It would be good. Because the problem is, I know too many of my friends who'd be interested in having a little sneak peek. So if she starts doing stuff like that, I'll get screenshots. And and they're not screenshots I want, because when you see a screenshot like that initially, you because your brain doesn't register immediately that it's that it's blood relative. So I'll see that photo and I'll go, oh yes. And then I realize who it is, and I go, "Oh, don't know." This is a, this is the opposite of what I was going for. I shouldn't be looking at these photos at the best of time. Now I'm looking at my sister, thinking it was nice. Yeah, obviously you can't pursue stuff like that though. She's she's got a boyfriend that wouldn't go down very well for for her or him. But uh, that's the world we live in now. If you've uh, if you've got the equipment that people want to see, people are going to pay for it because what you're posting on Instagram is not enough. I've never got it. I think my nipples are a little too big. And, and I don't think in general, I'm not sure if this is a, I reckon this might be maybe me setting my standards too low or just accepting the fact that uh, I, I think I'm making excuses is what I'm trying to say. But I'm not sure that women see men the same way that men see women. I go to the gym sometimes and see someone doing deadlifts who's a woman. And I, I can't look in that direction because otherwise my training session's ruined. You know, and more than my training session, I always come home and have to confess, I go, babe, there's a chick at the gym, she was doing squats, it was inappropriate, she goes, did you look? I go, look, just a little quick look, she goes, be honest with me, was it more or less than 10 seconds? I said, at once or like subtotal? She goes, subtotal, I go, babe, I want to be honest with you. Okay, it was about a minute 47 she was only at the gym for six minutes Do you know what I mean I was upstairs for part of <laughs> it's hard though it's weird you got to be careful as a guy because I think we're such I think we're such visual creatures that you look at something like that and you go oh something in your brain just gets set off I don't think women are like that unless my wife's a really good liar she always says to me she goes, look I just I'll see a good-looking guy but I can be turned off immediately if they're good looking and their personality is terrible I need to have personality and i need to have looks i said babe like how many of those two do i have she goes honestly it varies a lot depending on how much sleep you get your personality it really struggles and i mean you're not a 10 but you're not a four and depending on how you do your hair is going to dictate how i see you. i said babe that's uh you've left a lot of room that she goes sometimes you're a cockhead. is is sort of what i'm trying to tell you sometimes i don't enjoy being married to you or being around you i said sweetie i appreciate your honesty um, but the problem with Asperger's is, is that that has no emotion in it and doesn't allow me to absorb it in a way that I think you mean it. She goes, did you just say have Asperger's? I said, you're on the spectrum for sure. Like you have to be a little bit, you got to be a little bit. I think we're all on the spectrum to some extent, aren't we? Uh, and I always just say like I can, from where I stand on the spectrum, I can almost see you if I have binoculars cause you're right down the other end. You're, you're down the end where there's not a lot of emotion, uh, of emotion, um, being thrown out, I'm at the end where there's too much emotion, so we're a good team, I was telling people the other day, I remember the first time, and I'll say the first time, because I'm an emotional guy, it happened more than once, and it happens more than once, but, uh, I remember the first time I cried on the phone to Jesse, we just started dating, it was like 2008, I'm not sure what I was crying about, but I, it would have been serious, because it, it takes a lot to bring down a truck like me, you know, and, uh, it wasn't a lot. I can guarantee it wasn't a lot. But we started talking. And then as I started to tear up, I thought, all right, well, this is where the sympathy from my uh, my future wife comes in. And she goes, all right, well, I guess I'll let you go then because it sounds like you've got some stuff to work through. And I said, um, are you taking the piss? Is this, <laughs> is this really how this conversation finishes? But you live and you learn. As we go on, I think I appreciate it more because... As I said, I can be a bitch with emotion, and she can calmly write down. And she also just doesn't she just doesn't care that much about the emotions of other people. now I say that as a good thing. I reckon you heard that as a bad thing. It can be both. You got to be careful. But I like the fact I can get too caught up thinking, "Oh man, like what's this person thinking?" She'll hear what someone's thinking. And go, you know what? Like they'll deal with that in their own time. I've got <laughs> I've got enough stuff to worry about by myself. But anyway, we're 10 years in nearly, no, we're nearly 11 years in. So I'm sure, you know, the next 15, 20 years, if we if we get it, I don't mean because we're, we're probably going to get a divorce. I don't mean that at all. I mean, because the future's unknown. How's this for unknown? So my sister-in-law, who we're staying with at the moment, she works at Dutch Bros, whose brand I'm representing hard the last couple of months, because I'm a genuine fan of their brand, um because I felt like that's product placement if I just don't justify why it is I keep going on about it now you know the relation that I have to them I feel like it needs some justification but they are they're cool they're half a billion dollars in revenue is all I'm saying last year and some and some uh, just really high quality service I tell you we've got to get them in Australia but uh why do I go on about that I have no idea where I was going with it I got back to Dutch Bros and I panicked but Anyway, if it comes back to me, I'll I'll tell you. I don't think it was that important, to be honest. If it's that important, it would come back. Do you guys see the Aussie bloke? I don't even know his name. He won the UFC the other day. Aussie guys are representing internationally at the moment. I see our boy Nick Kyrgios. I say our boy because I know his name's controversial at the moment. People love to hate him. He's that kind of guy that I'm not 100% sure what I think I think I like a little bit of cockiness I like it when someone's a bit arrogant I like it when they know they're good I like it when they got a little bit of swagger in their step especially on a world stage like when you're at that stage you're playing with the best of the best it's not it's different to when you're down at a community tennis event and someone walks in with a backwards hat and a strut and it goes mate you're in c grade do you know what I mean? The person you're playing is 12 years old. They've been playing for a year and a half. The fact you've taken a set off them is nothing that you should have a swagger in your step about. You should you should be ashamed of yourself. You need to go back and just sit down and have a think about it. But but when you get to a bloke like Kyrgios, he's on the world stage. He's actually one of the best in the world. As much as we don't like to admit it because he's arrogant and Australians hate arrogance. But he's going into the semi-finals tonight to play. I think he's playing Nadal. Now, Nadal is, I'm not sure how I feel about Nadal these days. It's like you want to love him based on the fact that he's a he's a gun, but when there's an Aussie boy playing against him, you want to see the Aussie win his first Grand Slam. You, you can't really cheer for him, but it's interesting. I found the timing of, uh, for those of you in Australia, you, you would have heard about the fact that he's been, I'm not sure if he's been charged or if he's just been required to go to court. Uh, essentially, I think his ex-girlfriend uh, claimed that he committed a little bit of, I say a little bit. You can't say a little bit when you're talking about sexual assault because it sounds as though you're diminishing it, but it sounds as though it was just a little bit. If it happened, if it happened, people hate that question, if it happened, but it's a weird time to bring out the Nick Kyrgios, uh, he, he touched me inappropriate claims or whatever it was because of the fact that it's the world's biggest tennis tournament. He's a, a name in massive lights at the moment. It stinks a little bit of, hey, I could get a little bit of attention here, don't, don't you think? Do you reckon, I reckon if I was a woman who was dating a famous person, that person was in the highlight of their career, one of the one of the biggest events of their career, the form of their life, they're the talk of the town, and that's your ex-boyfriend, you don't like the way he treated you, 100% you've got to tell a story then about sexual assault. I'm not saying it didn't happen, I'm not saying it did what do I know? I'm just a bloke with a backwards hat and a Dutch bro shirt who's, who's telling you his opinion, but I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch. I... We love to hate him though, and there's plenty to work with, but I think I think the biggest thing with, with any sport is you can be cocky as long as you back it up. And that's the that's the issue I reckon people have with Kiros at the moment. He's cocky, he's angry, he's got he's a little bit sulky, and he hasn't quite backed it up in terms of winning grand slams. Right, give, give him a couple of grand slams and just watch people. I was gonna say watch people come around, but I'm not sure. I think Nick Kyrgios is gonna be like a Leighton Hewitt. I don't think many Aussies really liked Leighton Hewitt when he was uh, when he was in his heyday, like when he was at the top of his sport, because he was young, he was brash, he had a little bit of swagger in his step, a lot of swagger in his step. He was just tearing, he was just tearing up the court left, right, and centre, and people don't like that because uh, they've got to go to work in the morning. They they get paid an hourly rate and they probably don't like their work. So when you see a uh, you know, a relatively good-looking bloke with a swagger in his step, making way better money than you can possibly imagine, and doing it with with a little bit of attitude, you go, oh, surely I can't like this guy. What is there to like about him? I'm also cheering for Djokovic. I'd love to see Djokovic do well because it's nice to see the... um, I, I like the flexibility of science these days. I think I used to not like it because my old science teacher was very, very... Um, he was very black and white with his view on science and I think the last couple of years what I've really appreciated is science isn't black and white science actually um, you know depending on the state that you live in the science changes dramatically and and that's what I like about Djokovic at the moment because it was too dangerous for him to come to Australia because he didn't have the vaccine but then the rest of the world scientist says well you can come here and then um so i'm just trying to get my head around that i what i'm trying to say is i wish the people who are in charge of science these days taught me science at school because i like the fact that there's a few different answers who says there should just be one answer that's boring like if you just stick with the truth then like how are you going to take care of people's emotions that's my questions i have always said emotions trump truth so uh, it's a very, uh, it's a very counter approach to to what someone like a Ben Shapiro says, but but surely facts do care about our feeling. What I'm trying to say is, is I'm a really big fan of science at the moment. I'm grateful for what they've done, and I'm grateful for the answers. I'm grateful for the fact that there's more than one multiple choice answer that's right when we're talking about science because it just lets more of us be right than than we what we used to be. So I'm I'm cheering for Djokovic because he's um you know he he's had to have dance with science the last couple of months and find out whether. Uh, it's dangerous for him to play in the uh, in any Grand Slam, or whether it's safe. Interesting as well. What I like about him is you watch you watch like fifteen minutes of a documentary or an interview, and you just see how how radically interested he is in his health. You just see how super interested he is in his health. He's he's vegan. He can do the splits. He's very strong. Like he watches his sleep. He watches his recovery. He watches his workouts. He watches his food. Um, he's healthier than than most of us. And it's so funny. I like. I just can't get over how many men with man tits were were telling him about how much of a risk to his own health he was. And then you get a few months down the track, and all of a sudden, it turns out he, he was right. Like, I think most of us are starting to wake up to that. But uh, in my in my beautiful state of Victoria, Dan Andrews, our, our our loyal and wonderful leader, he's talking about trying to mandate a fourth booster shot in in some in some sectors, and the rest of the world. It, it's so good being over here because you're in a conversation with people here and people go what are you doing what are you doing in Australia why don't you have guns <laughs> I go, wait where are we talking about COVID I said we were but I'm, I'm more interested in your guns let me I I'd had this crazy experience the other night at one of my gigs we had a um so I got up at a place called Jefferson Spirits it's like a, a small open mic community bar And very strange experience. So I went down to this place and there was, it was an open mic. I thought it was an open mic comedy room. I got there and it was open mic, but it was open mic everything. So it was open mic poetry. It was open mic music. And it was July the 5th. So everyone was out of town because the day before July the 4th, Independence Day, real big celebration over here. So everyone goes away for the long weekend and, and just takes it easy. So I got down there as an international. No one gave a crap. No one was there to watch any comedy, there was, they were just there for the music that was in the background, and rightly so, because music, this is what I found, music's beautiful to have in the background, regard not regardless of the quality, but you can get away with slightly less quality music in the background of a good conversation than you can with average comedy, just interrupting a conversation as you get there, and that's what it was, so I got there, I got there 15 minutes early, And the MC was on stage, he was a a guitar player, and he was sitting there, wonderful voice, John Johns, literal, like, promise I'm telling the truth, name's John Johns, he's sitting there just doing his thing. Now, I heard this guy a couple of weeks ago, and I was a big fan of his music, I love what he's doing, he was was really (laughs) impressive, so I wanted to impress him, I went up, and it had 10 spaces available, and his name was at the top, I put my name at 6th, because you don't want to be the next bloke up you want the audience to warm up you want to get a little bit of a feel for what's going on in the room you want to make sure that you've read the audience right before you get up there and just start talking and I was I put my name down there sixth and I went and just sat in a corner and I just I sat back and watched the audience and uh, so this might give you a little bit of an idea so this place Jefferson Spirits apparently during the the real busy time of COVID here in Medford. These guys were doing a shot for a shot. You could get your vaccine out the front, and then you could go in for a shot of alcohol. So it sounds like the experts running the health scene here in Medford are, are, were very similar to the health experts running the show back in Australia. But what was good? I was sitting in the back of the room, and I was thinking, okay, so it's going to be a very lefty place. There'll be masks. There'll be no conservatism. conservatism. It's just going to be a it's just going to be a big lefty vibe. And I was like, all right, let's just watch. And I went in, and a couple of people gave me lefty vibes, but then I, I overheard just the loud, stereotypical, American, obnoxious conversation of, of guys just sharing their opinion. I thought, oh, hang on a second, that doesn't sound too doesn't sound too lefty. And so I had the worst introduction of any comedian to, to any stage in the history of comedy. I got up there, I did a sound check on the mic, which you, you don't really need to do for comedy. Like, is, is the microphone on? Can people hear? You don't really need much more than that. There's no instruments to tune. And I got up there and started speaking. I said, uh, like in the first 30 seconds, I said I was Australian. And as I mentioned I was Australian, this big bloke, he it was confusing as well because he was wearing a Hawaiian shirt, but his attitude wasn't. His attitude didn't match his shirt. There was a lot of aggression coming out. I, it was like a clown screaming at your kid. It just didn't quite work. I was, I was really confused about where we stood. And I said, wait, take your breath. What, why are you so angry at me? And he started going on. He's like, man, why'd you let him take your guns? Why do you let them take your guns for man? You guys are embarrassed. You should be ashamed of yourself. I was like, this is very forward. So do you want to have this conversation after? He's like, I had this conversation when I want to have this conversation. Like I'm guessing I'm guessing the time is now. He goes, that damn straight. Why didn't you fight harder for your gun rights? I was like, What me me personally? He's like, yeah, you. It's time for men to stand up and actually make a stand for what they believe in. I said, like, to be fair, I was nine years old. I was nine years old in 1997 when Martin Bryant got the record. Like, why are you you blaming this on me? Now, it's not my fault that now if someone comes to break into my house, I have to chase them out with a fork. (laughs) Do you know how embarrassing it is to have to use cutlery as your self-defense mechanism? I was in my brother-in-law's shed out here a couple of days ago. He's got seven different guns. He's got a loaded pistol next to his bed. I'm not kidding. This is what Americans do. It's it's a different mindset. I can't quite understand it. I was at a white trash party the other day and there was a guy there in jeans and a cowboy hat with an American flag tied around his shirt and he was doing spins. Very flamboyant. I'm going to be honest. Very flamboyant spins. But as he was spinning, we were videoing it. I got home and watched the video. I saw a loaded pistol. No joke. I know it was loaded because I asked him. I saw a loaded pistol tucked down the back of their pants. The reason they do it loaded Is because if a bad guy walks into a building, they don't want to waste half a second to have to cock the gun and shoot it. It's very hard for Australians to get their mind around this. I had a good chat to this. I used to struggle with it as well. And I feel the older I get, the more I am an American in my mindset, (laughs) which is hard, though, because there's so I mean like one school shooting starts to make you question but then I can't be bothered going down this whole rabbit hole cuz it's too controversial and I'm just I'm just honestly bored by it but it was interesting to hear this guy talk about his uh his perspective on Australia the other day and like the way Australians look at Americans around gun control is the way conservative Americans look at Australians we're like what the hell are these guys on these guys have they have no respect for themselves. I love the fact the gun's cocked. I'd be way too scared. Even if I even if I could have a pistol back in Australia, there's no way I would tuck it into the front or back of my pants because I would be so nervous that somehow there'd be a glitch in the gun and it would cock and I'd just shoot my nut off. Do you know how painful that would be? Have, my, brother and I, we, uh, my brother-in-law and I, we've been playing table tennis out the back here and sometimes he'll hit it hard and it'll... Like, it's happened more than once. I'm not sure. I'd love to say it's a big target, but really it's not. It's more of a coincidence. He's got me in the nuts a couple of times, and the pain from that is excruciating, and I've got shorts on, it's not like we're playing pants off table tennis, so that's through the jocks, through the pants, a soft plastic ball gets me, and it's hard not to, it's hard not to lay down on the ground and just cry, because there's are sensitive areas, can you imagine, I haven't googled this, but I imagine if you googled it, you would find out how many accidental ball blasts there's been in the last couple of years, I reckon there would be a lot, Especially in places like here, because I, I say white trash party that I went to, it was a dress up, it was for fun. But on the way to that white trash party, we have gone through some neighbourhoods where I was like, oh, you're dressed the same as me right now. And for a fact, that guy's got a cocked and loaded, you shouldn't say the word cocked when we're talking about where it's tucked into, because you get confused on what we're talking about. He's got a loaded gun pointing down towards his little rooster. I always feel like I've got to be on my best behavior when you're talking to people knowing that. Like, I'm not a rude guy on purpose to many people, but when you know that there's a good chance that person has a gun, I'm extra, I'm extra nice. I think that's the reason that Americans in general are maybe like a little bit too over nice. People say, why are Americans so nice? You have to be, because the bloke that you're talking to might have a gun. I never get so nervous doing comedy as what I've been here in the US, because in Australia, if you offend someone with a joke, they'll just look at you and go, hmm. But in America, if you offend someone with a, a joke, you know they've got a loaded pistol in their back pocket. That's terrifying to me. And yet I still feel as though the audiences are more laid back over here. Maybe that's why they're more laid back, because they go, you know, look, I don't agree with the joke, but if I really wanted to now, I could shoot this guy in the back of the nuts. <laughs> I'm not sure back of the nuts. I'm not sure why I said that. But it's a confidence booster, isn't it? Because it doesn't matter how good you are at jujitsu. jitsu Jiu-jitsu if someone's got a gun it doesn't matter you could be a black you could be the bloody red belt of jiu-jitsu I think that's the one above black and someone could still just shoot you in the kneecap and good luck doing jiu-jitsu like that you'd be crying you'd be like Peter Griffin on that episode of Family Guy, you know where he falls over and hurts his knee. That's what you look like So it's been a real eye-opener It's been a real experience the last couple of weeks here in America just uh, seeing the appreciation for guns firsthand but anyway we've got three weeks left of our trip it's going quick three weeks that's what i was going to tell you earlier i completely forgot about this before i started going on about dutch bros so my my sister-in-law she had a workmate that um so yesterday he died how crazy is this he died of cancer yesterday when we arrived here he had no idea he was ill how scary is this i was thinking about our trip back in 2014 and thinking oh, i wonder what he'd be doing eight more years time And then this is when I was at the gym. I was halfway through squat session. And then as I was thinking about this, I thought, man, this guy, like just two weeks ago, thought he was fine. Had no idea. Maybe, like I'm assuming there's a little bit of tiredness going on. But surely there's no inkling of the seriousness of your illness if you're dead three weeks later. And three weeks ago, you didn't know you were sick. So this guy went in for like a casual checkup, found out he had some real intense cancer. Three weeks later, wife and two kids just left. How, How insane is that? I'm not sure why I'm telling you that story because it's just sad. It's a little bit of a down. This is supposed to be a happy podcast, Tyler. This is a pop culture podcast. Joy, light and laugh and love is, uh, <laughs> is what they often say. But I just wanted to tell you that because it was it was shocking to me. You kind of forget, don't you? You forget, how, you forget how, how quickly it can go if you're not careful. It's weird. Once you get to 35 as well, you start to know of a few people who die and you go, oh, far out. All right. You know when you're young? And yet, like, when you're really young, you don't really think about the fact you're going to die. You just think whatever you do, you can jump off, like, the highest slide at the park and nothing happens. Then when you get to 35, you got to be careful if I'm going to jump off this high slide because I could fall over, bang my head on the bottom, and that just could be my time up. Got to be super careful. you got to be super careful. We've uh, got heaps to do the last couple of weeks as well. Tomorrow I'm off on a three-day river float, three days, two nights. So we're getting up at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning. Yucky to do a uh, to do a river float now i i love the idea of just getting out in nature with my brother in law and his brother-in-law it's going to be fun the three of us i'm sure man we're gonna we're gonna cause some trouble but it's very funny because until recently i was a i was a vegetarian and still pretty much am but he challenged me the other day he goes all right i'm gonna i'm gonna test your principles in the wild let's see how much of a vegetarian you are when we're just floating down a river for three days i go okay well are there wild bushes out there he goes mate there will be but you can't live on 150 blueberries a day so it looks like I'll be living on bass and trout. Hopefully, all going well. Um, we got—I've got to get a fishing license today, actually, because apparently they're pretty. Uh, the sheriffs over here are pretty harsh on you if you don't have a, a, a fishing license. You got to be on your best behavior. That's one thing I've noticed around here, like the fishing world, the fishing game in the U.S. Well, in Oregon specifically, I think it's because of the, all the lakes they have up here. The fishing game here is so strong. Every—if you don't have a, ga- a, a, a boat here, you're just—you're a, a pussy. Is my since I've been here, my brother in law he's got a boat and he just bought a sailboat and he's starting to lift his game. And uh, you go down to the dock where these boats are up at Lost Creek, and some of the boats there he was telling me are $150,000. I know nothing about boats, but that seems like a, a lot of money. That's US dollars as well. So if we're talking Australian money, what's that? That's uh, actually, it's not as much as you think at the moment. What's that like, 200,000? But still, two hundred thousand dollars just to float on the water seems expensive. We're catching the same fish as those guys, and hopefully, we're catching the same fish. It's gonna be, it's gonna be good. I wish um here's the here's the problem. See, I'd love to. I've shown you guys the last couple of weeks. I've been gifted both mushrooms and being gifted marijuana, but um, we're not able to put that to use, unfortunately, because one of our wives is, is it, well, you've, got to, you've just got to be careful with your wives. You have to make sure that they're happy. you got to make sure that you're treating them with respect and doing what you've got to do. And, and, you know, if one of your wives isn't happy with you doing mushrooms and marijuana on a river trip, well, it's, it's probably fair enough. But I was going to say, if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for that factor, I think, uh, I think this river trip would be a whole heap of excitement. But I'm not 100% sure how I'm going to go. I don't know how much of a river floater I am. I can't quite comprehend how it's so exciting. That's what I said to my brother-in-law the other day. Like I'm excited to go, but I don't know why I'm excited. It's I think I'm excited because he's so excited. Because I think what you do, you, you go down the river and you fish and you float and then you swim and then we sleep. And I'm terror. I'm honestly terrified of bears. I don't know if this is ridiculous. And maybe it's right that I'm terrified of bears. I should be. They're scary and dangerous. And and cougars as well. And these guys have just been Gradually planting seeds in my mind about the dangers that we're going to be exposed to Over the next three days and two nights and I just I'm ner- I don't know how I'm going to be able to sleep like my brother-in-law's got a pistol But I just I've got a feeling there's going to be pranks going on And if there's pranks going on I'm going to have to get him back because he's terrified of spiders I've just got a feeling he's going to dress up as a cougar when he came to uh, when he came to Australia a couple of years ago He had this it's uh, I'm not sure what it is exactly but it, it makes distressed animal noises and you use it when you hunt and when you play it, it sounds terrifying, like it's a horrific sound to hear. And if you're, out in, if you're out in the wilderness, it would be terrifying, but it's what you're there for to attract the prey that you're trying to shoot. But when you're in a suburban street and you can hear it coming from under your bed, it's terrifying, which is what happened with us, essentially. It wasn't under my bed, but it may as well have been. And so I had to go out in my street and my, my neighbors were out there looking at what was going on. It was very, very loud. It sounded like a distressed animal. I didn't want to be a part of it because I was like, oh, if I see this distressed animal, I'm either going to have to do something about it or take it out of its misery. And both of those options are going to involve, you know, just, I don't know how good I would be at killing an animal. I'm not 100% sure I could do it. I think a fish is okay because they can't really they can't really smile. I know cows can't really smile either, but it's Fisher, yeah, it's hard to make eye contact properly with a fish because they've got an eye on each side of their head. And I think that's the difference with dogs and fish Is Like I know a dog has its eyes sort of to the side a little bit, but they're, they're forward enough to be able to go, okay, well, he's, he's looking dead in my eyes and you know, he can see what I'm thinking a little bit. Whereas with a fish, you go, you've got no idea what's going on. You've got no idea what's about to happen. There's a chicken coop just outside as well. And the other day, uh, Sam, he realized, that's my brother-in-law realized he had two roosters in there that shouldn't have been there. And He's got the chickens for the eggs. He wants the eggs from the chicken. So if you start putting a rooster in there, he gets his little uh he gets his little fella going. He starts impregnating some of these chickens. All of a sudden your eggs turn into those Filipino ones with the with the baby chicken fetus inside it which in some cultures they appreciate but here i'm just trying to have eggs on toast i don't want dead baby bird on toast you know so he had to go out there the other day and he'd been trying to figure out how he's going kill, to kill it is he going to slit its throat is he going to chop its head off he said to me would i be willing to hold its head down and its body and he'll just aim his best and try not to get my thumbs i said look honestly the way you've just painted that picture it makes it sound very dangerous not just for the chicken but also for me he goes well that's why i've got the knife i said well you know, would you allow me to do the same? He's like, absolutely not. So that that sort of option was was ruled out. But then uh, it's also a little bit graphic. So he had one of his seven guns. He just came out, he got a bird in a cage and uh, the the bird was just sitting there having a little bit of fun, just chilling out and all of a sudden just just in the back of the neck and, and the bird was out. It's hard. It's hard when you've been in the city for so long. You just eat the meat. You don't actually have to watch it get killed. You don't actually have to think about where it comes from. When you see a little bird in a cage uh, with a with a, tw- I think it was a twenty-two. Is that like a less powerful one? A smaller gun pointed to the back of its head. You go, oh mate. Like I hope you have no idea what's about to happen. The rest of the chickens were looking out the cage, just going, oh shit, boys, stop talking. Like Sam's in a bad mood. Can you? I cannot believe what I'm witnessing right here. He just he's just killed Peter. He's just shot bloody Peter because Peter was sprouting off too much. So just, I don't care about what your thoughts are on, on the chicken life. Just keep it to yourself. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so you got the two, you got the two roosters. I'm gonna be honest though, you can't eat the roosters or these ones anyway. I was gonna say you can't eat roosters in general, but that would have meant Red Rooster was out. Maybe that's the problem with Red Rooster. Maybe they realise once they open, you actually can't you can't eat roosters, or they're not as tasty. It's a very specific niche, isn't it? Just rooster meat chickens are a far more accepted form of meat than rooster like no one i've never been to someone's house and said hey what are we having for dinner and they've said rooster it's always chicken red rooster it's weird that that one's been so commonly accepted i'm not sure if it's international <coughs> it surely it wouldn't be we saw a shop closed down the other day we were driving up to this lost creek that i was telling you about and uh as we were driving up there, uh, Sam said to me, he goes, hey, have a look at this business on the right-hand side. I just want to show you what it is they serve. We went past and it had closed down and he pissed himself laughing. I said, mate, what, like, why is it so funny that these people have struggled and they've had to close their business? He goes, "They all they sold was bison meat. It was like a butcher, but only for bison. <laughs> it was just, the entrepreneur spirit is in everyone in some degree. It's just, you know, some people come up with Amazon and some people come up with bison meat and amazon's good because it's it's everything for everybody which is actually the opposite of what i was told i keep being told hey have your niche focus on what you're good at don't don't spread yourself too thin amazon what's the guy's name who runs amazon elon musk is tesla i've completely blanked on this guy little bald skinny dude who's clearly on testosterone, because his, his figures changed a lot the last 15 years. You see photos of him in the late 90s, and you go, okay, 100%, he spends his time online a lot. You see him in 2022, you go, holy shit. He's eaten a lot of rooster, or he's found himself from good supplements. I'm not, I'm not honestly sure which one it is, but either way, he looks fantastic. Bison meat. I've never tried bison. I'm open to it. I wanted to try crocodile. I'm not sure. that. I hope that's not a Freudian slip. We have been speaking about roosters a lot. I don't think that's because I've got men on my mind that I just said crocodile. I reckon some really good psychologists would would question that. But I'm a happily married man to a woman. Can acknowledge when a man's good looking but got no interest in seeing what it tastes like. (laughs) that's ridiculous it's not a blowjob if you just lick it is what i always say i said that last night and uh, the audience really hesitated with their laughter i said no, that's just how we greet people in australia and it just it went relatively quiet as though they were genuinely concerned to come to our country because a, a handshake in post-covid times is nerve-wracking enough but if you have to start doing little licks just to say your hellos it's uh, you've gone to a level which you should never have gone to my um uh, my little boy's has gone to the pool now. It's funny, Jesse's taking him to the pool. I usually go there with him because he's, he's discovered the water slides. He's discovered how fun it is just to be able to go in and splash and be cheeky and have fun. He can't swim yet, which is his problem. So it's really interesting the confidence that he has in not only himself, but also in me. A couple of weeks ago, we were at the pool and he was splashing and I was laughing. And then all of a sudden he started splashing me. I said, hey, no. And he did it again. And just so I just I let him go under the water for five seconds, just as like a little punishment. He came back up spluttering and everything. And, uh, you know, you'd think he would learn from that. And 30 seconds later, he did the same thing again. I said, hey, buddy, I held you under for five seconds before. You know, in in 90 seconds time, I could let you go and you could be in heaven that quick. All right, stop splashing. And he still has no idea how much danger his life's in. if I just have a have a little mental blank. The kid can't swim. You can't be arrogant like that in a pool if you can't swim. you got to learn to respect your dad. I mean, the, the furthest I've taken at the moment is a flick on the wrist. But I'm not past letting him go in a pool just to show him the lesson. I think the lesson is the main priority. It'd be a lesson for the other kids too, wouldn't it? You can't just watch a, a dad let go of his own child in a pool and the other kid go, you know what, I'm never going to splash my dad again. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. The, the longest I would go is 30 seconds because you could bring him back from 30 seconds. 90 seconds, you've, you've let it go too long. It's been dramatic. It's hard as well. I, I would hope that, no, you know, say, I would hope, but you know, it'd have to be high on drugs, but there would never be something like that that you could do to your own kid. But, but then you hear stories of people who they try and punish their kid. They try and give them a smack. And every now and then they, they'll take it too far. Like they're not getting any sleep and the kid's still misbehaving. So they give it a little shake. And before you know it, they've been shaking it for 37 seconds. The kid's in heaven. You go, Oh no, how am I going to explain this to the wife? This is (laughs) a, is she going to be mad about this or have I done her a favor? It just depends on how naughty he is, is the truth. You just, you, you you just got to be careful. You got to make sure you and your wife are on the same page. I'm not sure how child abuse jokes go down in the general population, so I'm sort of regretting bringing, bringing that up. Um, but there's a diff- That's the difference, isn't there? There's a difference between saying something. This is uh, uh, what the, the what the wise prophet Ricky Gervais says. There's a difference between saying something and actually doing something. Like it's okay to laugh at uh, the story of punching a midget, but if you actually bought a midget on stage and punched him, that be that would not be funny, and everyone would agree. It's very interesting, though. It's very interesting, though, watching people get offended to, to the ideas rather than getting offended by, by the, um, you know what I'm trying to say, don't you? We get offended by the ideas rather than the action. I mean, the action would be offensive as well, but I mean, the action should only be there. I don't know why I'm trying to philosophize on this podcast. I'm thinking out loud, and, and you guys are witnesses to it. So, hey, we're learning together. Hopefully, hopefully we're learning together. Learning can be painful. I tell you why learning can be painful. I remember in year 12, I, uh, I had a friend, Alice was her name, and I went to her house. Very pretty girl. I had a very big crush. I've told you about her on this podcast before, and we were, her parents were out for the weekend. She invited me over, and she was getting snuggly on the couch, and I was an uneducated guy when it came to flirting with women, and so she was rubbing me on my leg, and I thought, okay, well, I'll just reciprocate, and I started rubbing her leg, and after about 30 seconds of me rubbing her leg, she leaned over, and she goes, Daddy's making me so horny. And I go, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so sorry, I'll, I'll stop. And the look of disappointment in her face said, hey Tice, you've really misread that cue. And also the moment was gone. You could see that I was uneducated in this department. I had a lot of education to come my way. And, and so she said, hey, um, thanks for coming around. I said, no worries, did you want me to stay? And she said, not really. Why, why would I? Like what benefit is that to, to either of us? The, the, the dating game's an unusual one. I've never been great at it. I'm really bad at it now because uh, it's always hard when you bring up the fact you've got a wife. People go, hey, look, that's a red flag. <laughs> you can't just be out on a dance floor, you know, twerking on some stranger. And the fact I've said twerking on some stranger is probably a signal that I've gone the wrong way, probably a sign that yeah, my, my technique needs a little bit of work. Or the fact that I'm a happily married man, haven't had to practice and refine my skills over the last few years. But the way I met Jessie was interesting. I, uh, I had a crush on her for a long time. And to let her know, because I thought I'd read the signals right, I went to Coles, I bought a card, I bought a teddy, I put it at the front doorstep of her family house, and inside the card I wrote, I know someone who likes you. Knowing for a fact she would know who it was from. And 24 hours past I'd heard nothing. So I called her best friend and she pissed herself laughing saying her and all the girlfriends at school were, were trying to figure out who, who did such a lame attempt at a pickup. And, um, you know, that was hurtful that was hurtful, but her mum was on my side, Leanne called me up and said, Tyce, I like your effort, I like your commitment, come around to our house every Thursday for dinner, and I reckon before you know it, you two will be married, and uh, she didn't say it like that, but that's the way I interpreted it, and it's exactly what happened, but it's very interesting watching the, watching the dating game, and when you're taken, you always assume that you're going to be better at the dating game than, than what you actually are, don't you think that's true? I always see people and, uh, like I cringe at, at what I'm watching, but I go, "Toss, that was you. That was you. I didn't have dance moves. I just had corny pickup lines and too much alcohol. Too much alcohol was probably the standout feature that helped me because all of a sudden I said the ridiculous lines that I had with with far more confidence. We all know that, a, well, I think confidence is what a woman likes, unless they're into like a, you know that TV show Beauty and the Geek? I'm not sure that's ever a win for, for the beauty. Or maybe it is, and you just don't know it because it's more than skin deep beauty, isn't it? Like, you've got to get down to intellect. You've got to get down to, like, in a marriage, you've got to be able to budget. You've got to be able to plan. You've got to be able to organise your finances in a way that's good for both of you. And beauty doesn't do that. Right now, actually, um, my, my wife is, uh, she's beauty and the geek. She's got the brains and the looks of our relationship. I mean, I bring a little bit to the table, uh, but just a little bit of both in comparison to her. And right now, we're, like, our, our bank card's been blocked because apparently for the last six months, my bank's been sending me messages saying, Tyson, we need these documents. And I, just, I hadn't seen them. I hadn't opened them whatever. As a result now, ING have said, hey, you can't spend any money until we have these documents. And I don't know where to find the documents. And so right now, I'm just living on the tab of my uh, my brother-in-law and his wife until I can figure out how to access my account. It tells me how much is available, but then it says available to spend is zero. I said, well, that's, that's unfortunate. That's just teasing, isn't it? I'd rather you just not tell me how much is in there. Do you know what I mean? It's a yeah, it's a weird predicament to find myself in. So I'm hoping actually I might after this, I might after this just jump back on the old phone because I've realised it's going to be very very tough the last three weeks if I can't spend any money. We're going up to a place called Bend in a couple of weeks because I got a I got a guy, a Jewish dude. He's like eighty years old. And uh, his name's Bert. Great man. Never met him in person before. Just met him. Uh, met him online. Met him in a similar way to what my brother-in-law Sammy met his wife back in. That sounded weird because obviously Bert and I aren't dating. He's happily married to a woman, as am I. Um, I met him on a Zoom call actually through a mutual friend. Had a conversation with him and uh, and really just hit it off. We we I feel like we're the same person, but sixty years apart. Forty five years apart. Forty five years apart would be right. But my brother-in-law he met his wife. Uh, uh, via instagram back in the day which is a weird he met her when it was still weird to meet your wife on instagram and uh i mean there's different stories around how they met he said he typed in the hashtag jesus and and just had a look around and found this girl which could be true they're both passionate christians and i'm sure there's some validity in that story but i also reckon there's a chance there was a hashtag of hot blonde uh naughty thoughts that could have been typed in and he's uh, and found her there. But I remember we were in Alinda in Victoria and my brother-in-law was in the spare room just having a chat to this chick through Messenger or through Instagram. And we were like, what are you doing, man? This is the creepiest, scariest thing that we've ever heard someone your age do. Like, you're a good-looking man. You don't need to resort to the online world. I remember there used to be a website called RSVP. Long story short was it worked out great for them. Like, they've been married now for 10 years, got two kids and, uh, and Instagram was, was the ultimate wingman. But before Instagram, there was services. I'm not sure if it still exists, but it was called RSVP. And I remember I gave it a go once just because I thought it would be an easy way to meet good-looking girls. And uh, a lot of elderly women on there. I think I was 19 when I signed up. And I had my profile all set up. I thought I looked great. I showed a mate. He said the photo looked as though I had Down syndrome. I'm never good at knowing when I look good in a photo. Some people say, hey, you look great in that photo. I go, oh, really? Like to my eyes, that looks horrific you ever wonder that like when you're going down the street like you have an idea of what you look like but other people have an idea of, of your looks as well like surely we don't all look at the same thing and see the same thing I don't I don't think I mean I don't know for a fact but every now and then I'll, I'll go down the street and uh and I'll get a glimpse of myself in a mirror and I go hey you're looking good today Tice to you're looking good and photos, I'll do the same thing. I'll show a photo of myself to my wife. i go, babe, check this out. And she's like, ah, I've seen better. And then she'll show me one where I look better. I go, that's not, that's very subjective. The kind of confidence I had a couple of years ago was great. That's the kind of confidence you want. I remember I was in uh, uh, H&M in Ringwood and I, uh, I walked around a corner and saw a mirror and I didn't realize it was a mirror. I thought I was looking at a good-looking bloke and, and realized after 10 seconds it was myself. And I thought, man, how much swagger do you need to have to look at the reflection of yourself and go, that's a good-looking man. <laughs> that's a good-looking man. The wrinkles are getting a little deeper now. I'm starting to see the appeal of Botox. I um, actually, last, a couple of nights ago, we went out to a place called uh, Luna. It's like a Mexican restaurant here. And uh, most of the waiters, most of the waitresses were... Uh, were great, looked normal, looked good, good service, really big fan of what they had to bring to the table. But there was one particular guy there, and he was one of those guys. You know the ones that they've just gone too hard on, on the Botox? Like they've got to a point where there's there's just no return. I'm not sure. I think there's something like the more Botox you have injected into your face, I think it does something to your brain cells, which I reckon I wouldn't be surprised if in 20 years we found out that there's something in Botox which sends a message to your brain which says, hey, like, do, get more. Get more of this, like this is this is what you need. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's good to have that addiction when you go to the gym because the the improvements are actually positive. But that to that one person who wants the Botox, they look and they go All right. If I, if I just get a little bit more, then I reckon it'll be perfect. I saw a guy last night. It was it was two nights ago. Most horrific thing I'd ever seen. His face looked like how he but it? it looked as though there'd been the world's most powerful leaf blower blown into his face, and then. Like olive oil just rubbed all over his face, and then with all the skin which had been squeezed back from the powerful lawn blower, uh, leaf blower, there was like it was just pegged at the back of his head, and so his face was so tight. It was one of those ones where you couldn't even smile if you tried. If he smiled, his his eyes would crack and blood would come out. It was you got to be careful. You got to be careful. You need someone honest in your life to go, hey, we we got to stop now. We've taken it as far as we can possibly take it. And we ne- we just need to hit pause because everyone's looking at you going, this is this is horrific. It's like an illness. I saw a, I saw a lady the other day as well coming out of the natural grocers, skinniest girl I've ever seen. She was just bone with like one layer only of skin. If you if you had to just if she had to scrape herself, it just would have been directly it would have been a bone a bone deep uh, injury. It's funny, don't you think? It's funny how people can they can just get themselves to to such a degree of. I don't want to say ugliness because it's too harsh, but they, they bury themselves into this hole and and they just think the further into that hole they go, the the better it's going to get. But then all of a sudden they just look like a skeleton or they they look like a, a burns victim, which no offense to burns victims, but like if you're not a burns victim, that's not what you're that's not what you're going for when you're going in for Botox. You're not going in there going hey what what should I get, and you're responding with burns victim. Very confusing. That's the only thing that puts me off getting Botox because I've got quite an addictive personality. Once I get started on something, I really want to get good at it. I could tell I would come home and I'd have my nose done a little bit and I go, it doesn't look as good as Beck Judd's nose though so I'm just going to keep working and then people like my wife would say, Toss, Beck Judd's face is a lot smaller than yours so if you had her nose on your face, it would actually look ridiculous and I'd go, hey, look how good she looks. That nose on anyone's going to look fantastic. Then I'd do it and you'd realise the proportions are out of whack and i go, okay, it's it's far too late, there's nothing I can do with this now, there's nothing I can do with, I remember being in a surf shop called Brothers Nielsen when I was about 10 years old in Western Australia, and I saw a guy do this, like he just, he lifted his eyes up, and I saw the, the crinkles in his head, and I was like, that is horrific, what's going on, and now every time I do that, like that surprise look on my face, I see the folds in my forehead, my forehead and I go, oh, I think they're deeper than, than what the bloke at the, uh, at the surf shops were, so it's funny as you get older, five years away from 40, it's starting to, this is the age where you've got to start thinking about uh, Botox a little bit. Or just change your values maybe. Maybe i just got to stop being so vain and go, all right, you're just a wrinkly old bastard. <laughs> just embrace it. I've got a feeling I'm going to be one of those guys when I'm older. I'll be one of those blokes who, by the time I'm 60, skin will just be sort of hanging hanging from my face. I've, I've got very stretchy skin is why I say that. My skin's always been quite stretchy. Even in primary school, I'd stretch it out and people go, that's not normal. You need to get that checked out. I go, yeah, but, but look at the girl's faces when I do it. I go, they look impressed. They go, they look disgusted. I was like, all right, really found it hard to distinguish the difference between those two. But I see some guys uh, every now and then who are who are a little bit older, eighty years old. There's a bloke at the uh, at the Phoenix Clubhouse where I did comedy last night, and he was he was a a big culprit. I, I saw him, and uh, I mean, he had a great voice, but a, a lot of loose skin. I thought, all right, I think it's too late for sunscreen as well. That's the problem. I can see how people let themselves go because they go. Uh, I mean, I've I haven't taken care of my body all this time. I'm overweight. I may as well just commit and keep going with it. I'm kind of at that with my skin a little bit. My wife says, put some sunscreen on I go, is there, is there really any point? I should have been wearing sunscreen since the age of six when you look at me. Like it's quite clear I've left it too late. She goes, you've got a good point, but you may as well just do your best. I go, well, the fact that you've just agreed with me in, in the encouragement is uh, is really not encouraging. And she goes, well, that's it's all we've got to work with. Yeah. We'll watch this space. It's interesting as well. I think different weather conditions make a big impact. My, uh, I, I was looking at this bloke who works with Sam the other day, and he had uh, he had. It's just funny how how the more you expose yourself to something, the worse or better it gets, depending on your perspective. More you expose yourself to sun, you're probably going to get ugly and leathery, and maybe even skin cancer. The more you expose yourself to, or put yourself in exercise, the fitter, the better you look. This guy was a tree climber, like a, he was an arborist, and and he had fingers that were that fat. Uh, His hands just looked strong, but his skin was leather because he just spent it all outside. I remember another one of my friend's dad was a a bricklayer. And uh, he must be pushing 70 now. But I remember 20, about 20 years ago, I went out for a couple of days of work experience with him. And I was looking at his skin in the sun. I was like, you're actually leather. Like, you're actually leather. That same guy, I was 13 when I had this conversation. That same guy, Nigel, he had a workmate who... uh, I remember one day, 13 years old, I didn't even know that girls were interested in sex at this age. He pulled me aside. He goes, Ty, look, he would have been 40. He goes, man, I've got to go home for lunch, but my wife is, uh, every time I go back, all she wants is, she just wants more and more sex. Have you got any advice? And I said, mate, you should do it. You should do it as much as you should, as you want. Just keep on doing it. And he's like, oh, I'm just exhausted. Sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes I just want to go home and relax. Like, you reckon I should just uh, put in the, Okay, okay, is she good looking? He goes, she's quite attractive, yeah. He showed me a photo. I thought, mate, yeah, I agree. You should do, you really should do this. he's like, all right. Well, if it's the wrong move, I'm going to blame you. And I remember that like the the next couple of weeks I caught up with him. And it's funny when you're young and you want to relate with older people, but you're not sure how to because you don't realize they're taking the piss out of you. I went back to him. I said, mate, how's everything going with the lady as as the old libido slowed down a bit? He's like, mate, I'm just exhausted. I barely made it to work today because I was just up all night just getting it done. And I was like, you're saying this like you want sympathy, but everything about this sounds like a positive to me. Like I'd clearly I'd clearly missed something. I'd clearly missed something important because uh, I had no sympathy for what he was going through. I just had a lot of curiosity. A lot of curiosity and a lot of years to wait before it was my turn. <laughs> but... Anyway, you've got to stay hydrated. You got to keep the sunscreen on. Next three days on the river is going to be interesting. When I get back, so we're we're going to be out of service. I'll find out whether Kyrios has won Wimbledon. I'll find out whether Carlton has beaten the Eagles. So Geelong's on top of the ladder in the AFL at the moment. I think surely Geelong's going to be the team to beat in the AFL. They they just seem to have, they just seem to have come together this this year. I can't really imagine too many teams beating them anymore. They just seem too strong. I think I'd like to see Melbourne win again, but um, I don't know. It's ready. Oh, to be fair, like come on, the Blue Boys. We need Carlton to get back up. If Carlton win, I'm buying a, a little Zach Fisher. I think it's Zach Fisher. Is that right, Zach Fisher? See, I don't even know the players that and the team that I support, so I probably shouldn't uh, shouldn't talk too much about him. But what I'm trying to say is, hey, Carlton, this year I want it to be your year, but Geelong's going to be hard to beat. But that's about all that's going on over here at the moment. I'll uh, I'll touch base with you again next week, let you know how it's all going, give you an update on the river float if you're interested in hearing about that one. hope everything's going good in your life, wherever you are. I need to have a shave. This goatee's getting thick, so I'm going to do that in, in just a moment. But uh, hey, for the time being, thanks for stopping by, guys. Good to have you here. Much love to you and your family. And uh, until next week, I'll leave you to it. All right, God bless. See you then.